Huey. Yeah, I don't like losing. Well, then stop beating yourself. Huey. Yeah, you still a bitch. <laughs> Hey y'all, we've been gone for a minute, but we're back with the jump off. Um, we're reviewing season two, episode eight of the Boondocks. Ballin, in which Riley joins Tom's Little League basketball team and learns there's more to the game than flashy moves. There's crushing, humiliating defeat. But even better than that, today we have a special guest. Um, MJ is out. Of course, you will miss her, as will we. Um, but we have husband of one, father <laughs> of two, host of two, podcast that's Damon does and the a different world podcast ladies and gentlemen Damon <laughs> <laughs> thank you hey, hey. thank you <laughs> thank you how are y'all doing <sighs> hanging <Yeah>. in there <laughs> yeah that, y'all, you you guys been uh, you guys been busy <laughs> a little bit a little bit <sighs> yeah um if uh, if you are um, one of our Patreon patrons, uh, you already know that we've been going through some stuff the last few days. Um, but just, you know, and also if you follow us on Twitter, you know, TikTok. or on TikTok, that's right. I didn't actually know you posted on that, but cool. Um, <laughs> Dean kept himself sane in the hospital this weekend by doing all the social media stuff. Mm. So, um, but yeah, he's, he's home. He's okay. He's probably got more years ahead of him than I do, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, probably. Uh. <sighs> but that's, yeah. Like like I was saying before, too, like I have no idea what's even going on in the world because, yeah, it's it's been a little stressful, so. It's just more sad bullshit. <laughs> that's the world. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> a lot of shit. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, do we even want to go into news? Because I know personally (laughs) I am in my feelings just over Palestine. Um, I know people have a lot of different opinions on that situation too. I feel like it's only going to depress anyone listening to this fucking podcast, but I'm definitely a free Palestine kind of girl and it breaks my heart. Me too. Yeah. Wow. (sighs) Like, I feel like sometimes... The, the last couple of years have really kind of um, changed a lot of my outlook on life. <laughs> like, I still have kind of that weird optimistic, like, I have to be happy and, and like, think of the future and, and be excited for it and all that shit. But fuck. At, like, there's no corner of... Corner. <laughs> there's no part of this world that is not <laughs> suffering from something right now. You know? Uh, just, like... 
<laughs> and and so many things are dependent on a system that does not value the lives of humans. It values money over the lives of humans. And, you know, like Palestine is absolutely a huge example of that. You also have India where the U.S. wouldn't share like how to make a fucking vaccine for COVID because proprietary reasons and fuck off. And like I just read, I did read something this morning on uh, Twitter about the whole gasoline shortage on the East Coast was just, it was basically, um, the line was basically shut down because they couldn't bill customers. And so that's why they shut down a lot of the supply. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> just like there's this fucking world is, you know, I've, I've been thinking for a while that the U.S. was probably going to have a civil war. But now I'm wondering, like, is is anything functioning right now anywhere? Like when Bowie died, did he truly take like the soul of everybody oh. with him? And now everything's just going to hell. <laughs> So that's how I feel about that. I'd give my opinions, but it's too spiritual. I will tell you, I do believe this planet is literally hell. I will tell you that. Um, I think that my sister was telling me, and this is good for our listeners, that everyone, especially people of color, should watch the documentary Eliminate the Brutes on HBO Max. Exterminate all brutes, right? Oh, there you go. Yeah, we just start. We started it. We haven't finished yet. She said it is a must-watch um, just from a co- different conversation she and I were having, which is just that, you know, I can't believe people haven't kind of figured out the fix. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you're all even, I don't care what your race is either. Like you are all on the chopping block. Just, you know, priority will shake out eventually. Brown people, you can't get rid of, you know, what happens when we're all gone. As a matter of fact, I think we talked about this on one of the first episodes of this podcast. Um, in regard- <laughs> yeah. But anyway, y'all have any other current events you want to review or should we get into the fun episode? Well, I, I did want to real quick, there, uh, and I put this in our notes, but the Ozarks Coalition, which is a leftist organization that's tracking hate crimes and fighting racism, uh, fighting, and especially in the Ozarks area, uh, they have some, <laughs> I, I don't know if they've updated their store yet. They're, they started creating these patches of very anti-racist messages uh, that are great. Uh, there's one that, are, that sticks in my head of them, of a, uh, of a, lynching of a clan member <laughs> that's <laughs> i think i've seen that so yeah there's they have a few great patches that they're trying to sell uh and uh, so ju- and they were just trying to do it for the ozarks area but it got a lot of notice and so they've had to upgrade <laughs> their their website and all their store stuff so uh highly recommend checking them out and uh and and doing what you can for them because they're fighting the good fight awesome i feel like that i don't know if that came up before but like no? Okay. It was, all right. Maybe it's something that we talked about. Yeah. Right <laughs> okay. That's why. <laughs> I often tell him I don't remember who I have conversations with after I've had them. <laughs> so, like, I have a friend who will listen to the podcast, you know, maybe a week later and start to respond. And I'll be like, you need to give me so much more context because I have no <laughs> idea what I said. So, <laughs> that's why I'm always like, okay, did we talk about this? Here? <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's everything then? Yep. All right. Okay. I guess uh, go into the episode breakdown. I want to, I don't have everyone's 
There's the clips. Okay. All right. So the episode starts out with Riley in a dream where even in the dream, he can't escape granddad, you know, somehow trying to take advantage. Uh, <laughs> but he's, he's, uh, he's now a member of the Miami Heat and he got three gazillion dollar contract and uh, beats every single one of them. Um, Kobe Bryant, Yao Ming, uh, and then all of it is like basically doing these tricks and skills and like, I don't know about y'all, but I, I'm, I don't watch basketball really that much, but watching that made me so nostalgic for the Harlem Globetrotters a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Like that's what I see Riley, like encourage that shit. That's fun. Fun is okay. <laughs> but, um, then there was, uh, the, my, my, let's see, this was one of Lindsay's clips, but I like this one. Um, about at the end of the dream there. <laughs> Good one, little brother. Shaq, 17 blocks for Riley, you had one. That's got to make you feel fucked up. It did at first. Then I realized hating on Riley's superior game doesn't make my game any better, so I guess I have to work harder, step up to his level. That's what great players do. They bring the best out of everyone on the team. So he's better than you? Yes. And stacks more paper and gets more holes than you, nigga? Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I don't know what it is about impersonating Shaq. It's just yeah. a fun thing to do. It just makes <laughs> feel good. You know, so just gets to it and it's pretty easy to do it. Everybody can do it. The Charles Barkley one was pretty good too. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yes. I get so tickled. That's part of the reason I picked the clip. One, for the same reason, that's one of my favorite impersonations to do. But also, like, it probably would have been better if we did it at the very, very end of the show to be now that I'm thinking in retrospect, because I feel like that summarizes a lot of probably what we're going to get into today. Mm. Y'all, don't be fucking haters. Just step your game up, do better, work on thoughts. <laughs> you know, like, that's the whole freaking point. It, but. It's kind of funny that in... Riley's dream. That was actually really good advice when you yeah. like, lose to somebody. <laughs> like <laughs> that's the kind of thing that Riley needs to pay attention to. Not the actual winning, but <laughs> the, right. how teamwork and showmanship doesn't have. You know, they don't always go together. And Lord, um, if you ever, I- if you have anything to say, just jump right into. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, I, one thing I got, I got tickled by the, uh, cold open was in after when, uh, granddad shows up and at the end he starts whipping yes. with the belt. I immediately thought of the Muhammad Ali quote. If you dream, if you dream of beating me, you better wake up and apologize. <laughs> I, wake up and apologize. I remember that. <laughs> I got so oh, tickled. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I feel like that would be granddad, like, wanting to say that quote, but really. <laughs> um, so, uh, the next scene is um, Riley dribbling and doing tricks in the house. Um, granddad tells him to go th- shoot uh, free throws outside. Why is that word so hard for me to say? Um, free throws free outside. Throw. Free throw. Free throw. <laughs> Not three fro. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Granddad said he's going to teach him the basics while he goes and change. But, but after yeah, after he goes and changes, which is amazing, <laughs> um, you know the jersey tucked into his short shorts. Uh, that was style back in it the- was it- <laughs> Yes, it yes it was. Mm-hmm. Your thing. 
<laughs> While they were outside, Tom walks by and is so impressed by Riley's dribbling skills that he invites Riley to come and try out for his team, uh, which is called the Mighty Deers because they rep the deer. Um, and basically saying, you could be a superstar one day. And Riley's like, Psh, I already am. <laughs> uh, one of the things I really loved about that little part, and it just was so fucking funny because Riley spends so much of that scene making fun of Granddad for the short shorts, and then Tom shows up and is like, hey, nice shorts, and is wearing the exact same shorts. <laughs> and shorts. <laughs> like, they don't, it's just kind of a throwaway joke at the very end of that scene, but it just, it's so fucking great that <laughs> Riley's just like, ooh, ooh, the whole time. Like, I hate this on you, Granddad. And here's another one who just walks up and pretty much validates Granddad's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, um, the, when you brought up uh, Riley and Tom talking, he, they also, the, the end of that little bit, uh, Tom asked uh, Riley, have you, have you ever played for a team before? And Riley, yeah. Riley says, nope. <laughs> so he's, <laughs> That's right. So he's got complete. So it's clear, especially by the end of that scene, end of this uh, interaction, that both of them do not have the uh, proper perspective on children's sports, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I have a lot of feelings about the whole children's sports thing. Anyway, um, and it really comes out in this when we're actually watching games being played. But I'll get into that later. Um, let's see. Doot doot doot. So Riley shows up at practice the next day, but, you know, he's an hour late, but, you know, Tom didn't actually call his manager. So, you know, he, he's just there to talk about the name of the team and the uniform. And Tom basically is like, go out there and play and gets all the other kids to guard him because Riley doesn't want one-on-one. He wants the whole team. Um... And then he does this whole dribbling and showboating thing past every single one of them, but then stops short of actually trying to take a shot and acts all high and mighty like that's all you get for free. Like, <sighs> that's all you get for free. Does he know that he can't do any more than that already? Like, it it feels like when he's in the games, he's like, no, I can do this. I can, I can totally do it, right? I can do it. But he doesn't think he can do it. <laughs> I think that's like them playing off of too. like, this is a character trait of Riley's kind of, you know, he has all these like hood kind of points of view and there's some wisdom there and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, he's still a little kid. And I Mm -hmm. think he, as a character, genuinely does not know I'm supposed to shoot this ball now. He's just focused on the skill of the dribble and all this kind of stuff. Because we kind of see that later, I think, when they actually do play the game and they're like, shoot the ball, Riley. And he's like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) Tom tells Riley about his dream of one day having the perfect miracle game, just like at the end of The Mighty Ducks, that inspirational film from his childhood. And it's just, it's, oh my God. <laughs> so, um... A week later, Riley shows up in a suit, uh, tells dad, let's see, where are we? Um, He, to sign the, he gets Tom to offer him a half season contract. uh, And in return, Riley gets to change the team's name, which he chooses the Ballaholics. 
and he gets to design the team's jersey, which uh, reminds me of the episode where Huey did the Christmas play. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I want full control and, you know, no, you you can't change anything. And that's, that's totally Riley in this scene. Like they've got that same um, Mm. idea of what they can do and their own vision, even if it's about completely different things. Mm -hmm. In Riley's defense though, the Ballaholics was a better name. Hell yeah. And the uniform. deer. And the the uniform was fire. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I'm not complaining about it. I gotta give him credit for that. (laughs) And, you know, Tom, Bless his heart. I feel like the the timid deer was kind of that like mighty ducks. Like he thought that, oh, oh, deer, deer, deer are majestic. And and so what are deer? Deer are timid. Okay, so we're timid deer. And that makes total sense to him in his brain. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so ruckus as a ref. There are so many, so many things. Um, referring to them as future ex-cons. Uh, only shooting and stealing I want to see is with this here b-ball, you little future ex-con, looking right at Riley. Yeah. I took a good note there. <laughs> and, you know, basically just saying that I know what you black kid, what you little black kid are here to do with all of these white kids playing basketball. So just be careful. All of the best, you know, athletes are white. So. That's no wits, kid. Like, I only, I only knew Larry Bird. <laughs> Uh, so they're playing a game against, and we didn't know, catch the name of the team. Um, Riley starts out strong, but then it becomes really apparent that he's great at everything up until shooting, and the ball holics lose terribly. Um, at home, now this is finally one, the first time, I think, in this series so far that I finally listened to Granddad say something to the kids, and I was like, Good job, Grand. Because <laughs> Riley gets home and he's like, I want to quit. I'm not good immediately. So I want to quit. I don't want to do it. And he's like, you made me so proud. I was so excited to see you. If you give up, we won't get to do that together. And let's, come on, we can do this. And, you know, it's pretty obvious, even though they fight constantly, that the two of them really love each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going back and forth between papers here because... <laughs> Oh, I did. Okay, well, why don't you go ahead and play Uh that? Playing against people ain't like playing against furniture, is it? I ain't never playing again. So that's it, huh? You're just going to go on and quit. Well, I was excited seeing you out there. Granddad, I look like a fool out there. I can't shoot the ball, and I don't know why. Because you don't practice. Oh, so that's what practice is for. That's what practice is for. Yeah. (laughs) So it wasn't just, you know, that... Uh, so my clip was more was him before that or him after what I just said so um, I just I loved for the first time that it was actually granddad parenting and doing a good job of parenting (laughs) Um, because really you know you're never going to take away the crap that goes along like the, the the having to practice and work at making yourself good at something, um, no matter how much natural talent you have. And as a kid with a lot of, who had a lot of natural talent and no executive functioning to do it on my own without someone really pushing them, like, that's what a lot of kids need. They need someone to encourage them and, and, you know, tell them that they believe in them 
And I think that's a big thing that Riley really wants from Granddad. Absolutely. And I think like a big part of it too is like you, if you are a person, any person who wants success in life, you have to at a point uh, as the kid who thought, you know, I was, my parents told me I was smart and shit, but like in a lot of my life, I, I have been the underdog. What has led to my success was when I stopped giving a single good goddamn fuck about what, 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 It's the remix version. What, 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 Wow, that was nice feedback. <laughs> wow. Get all crooked with here. <laughs> it reminded me of um, online teaching when what someone will echo through because there's like six microphones on and it's all feeding back on itself, and the kids are all like, "I don't know what to do." Mm. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, Lindsay. You want to try that again? Good. Can you hear me? Okay. Like, is it the right mic picking up? Okay. Yeah. Um, but basically the point is y'all like you, people often will come at you with all kinds of shitty advice because they have their best interest at heart and not yours. But as long as you practice and do the fucking work, you're going to figure mm-hmm. shit out all by yourself. And don't worry yeah. about looking like a fool. That's the big takeaway. Yeah. That's, that's, sorry. That's a big, you know, a big thing in 99% of what humans do. Mm-hmm. You're afraid to look like a fool. You're just going to sit stagnant and do nothing. Um, the version I tell the kids I work with is, uh, mistakes are proof that you're trying. If you weren't making mistakes, you're not learning anything. So, um, yeah. And if it ever goes bad enough, you have a great story to tell later. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the truth of it. I've never heard a good, I've never heard a really good story go, ah, man, I left the house. Everything went great. And you know Everything was swimming. No, <laughs> it, it, it always has dips and turns and it's terrible. Right. There's, it reminds me of a, of a, I don't know if it was something on a meme or something. It's a, it's like a, uh, oh, what do you, you you're, uh, this is great for visual medium. Um, the, <laughs> yep. <laughs> the uh, what, X, Y axis. That's what I'm thinking of. And it's, it says what we think success is and it's a straight line. And then the next X, Y axis says what success actually is. It's a big old bunch of squiggles and mm-hmm. backwards and just, and then you finally get there and that's what it is. And I've got little ones right now. Uh, the oldest is, um, is starting to get that with some of her schoolwork and stuff. She's, she's, she has some things that she's practiced all the time because she loves doing it. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep encouraging her to do that. But, so, you know, the stuff that she's having uh, issues with in, in school sometimes, she we've we've been doing that th- throughout this whole last year. And uh, I think she's finally starting to get it. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, that's one of the things that I love most about being a teacher, um, but particularly because of the kids that I work with, when they do start to figure stuff out and they are able to kind of take a little more control of their what's happening to them because their reaction to what's happening lessens. Therefore, the reaction of those around them lessens and actually creates an environment where they are able to... Yeah, anyway. Um, I just, I love that, that, that part where they're really just starting to get it. And right before they get it, where they, they're like, I, I, I'm almost ready to give up. And then you, you just, yeah, I don't, I don't miss... Having kids in my house all the time. I will miss being a teacher. But 
I'm very glad that I'm changing careers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I went on a tangent there, obviously. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where were we? Riley. Oh, um, Riley starts going to practice. Tom is helps him basically learn how to shoot and, and shoot correctly. And Riley gets better. Um, surprise, surprise. Uh, so then, and I, I want to apologize to people listening at home. I wrote up all these notes. Uh, what was it? Two weeks ago when we first were going to do this episode. So I did watch the episode a couple times again, but my notes are on a different page than, <laughs> than the final readout. So I keep going back and forth. <laughs> uh, so the next game, Riley's teamwork uh, shows up and he passes the ball and he actually is able to make baskets and he gets all excited and he wants to, uh, you know, thank granddad and Tom for believing in him and, you know, realizes everyone's yelling at him because he needs to get on defense. Um, but he still can't stop showboating and hogs the ball again and the team ends up losing and just everyone's just so sad. So sad. Um, mm. This is a lesson I've had to learn. If my mom was on this podcast, she'd be freaking out because I used to be a bit, like I said, I was an underdog. And then when people were like, wow, this this little kid is good at whatever she does. I used to be like, oh yeah, y'all see this dope ass report? Uh-huh, you welcome. First, I want to <laughs> thank Tiara and Dean, Demar for coming on. <laughs> like, I would be that person. Like, you know, you're just out here. It's like, girl, you haven't done anything. That's awesome. But, you know, there's like miles to go. Like, you got to kind of, this is where I am now. You got to kind of keep your mouth shut you know, finish strong, kind of complete the thing before you get out here and you start showboating and talking shit. And even then, the advice she's given me is shut the fuck up. (laughs) 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 Quietly have your success. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Feels good to brag, but I'd watch it. Yeah. 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 And that there's an appropriate time to Mm -hmm. brag, I guess. (laughs) Uh. So the next game is against the Tigers with their powerhouse player, fearsome Cindy McPherson, um, who Riley has to guard against. And Ruckus has some rules. (laughs) And at shooting guard, she's currently the league high scorer, the blonde bummer, Cindy Fearsome McPherson. Looking at the white girl is a foul. Speaking to the white girl is a technical foul. And touching the white girl, oh, now that's a lynching. Come on. That's a lynching. <laughs> Fuck. Wow. Fuck. <laughs> like, not, only, a- not only is that a lynching, like that literally is how Emmett Till died for looking at a white girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ruckus. I, I, I love, well, love, hate. Ruckus, because he is absolutely an example of basically the most racist person anyone would meet, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the twist on it being that he's also a black guy and he hates himself so much because he's black is just so indicative of a lot of things in black culture. But the, <laughs> the way he was in this episode with, you know, you guys— stealing I don't want to see any stealing or shooting and you know don't look or touch the white girl and like 
it felt so <laughs> it, fuck it felt like I don't even know how to explain it it felt like history not a cartoon like mm-hmm. it just it was character the character of Ruckus was is so good in this episode at being so completely vile in everything mm-hmm. just like y'all know I really need to point that out what was that yeah, I- I said, y'all know my feelings on him. I love him. <laughs> For me, Ruckus is there to show like uh, hardcore racists like how stupid you look. That is his, yes. the whole point yes. of his existence. He cracks me up. Like, I love it. And don't forget, he's not a black man. He has reverse oh, yeah. right. Sorry. vitiligo. <laughs> reverse vitiligo. Yes, um, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, so Cindy uh, is just as good at playing the game and talking shit basically as Riley is and completely throws Riley off his game uh, because he's not used to being taunted by anybody who might be better than him. Also could be that it's because she's a girl. Mm -hmm. Um, Ruckus calls a foul on Riley, which is uh, uh, for for touching the white girl, right? And then (laughs) everybody argues, come on, ref, that's some bull from from the little uh, (laughs) Tom's daughter, Jasmine. Fuck my brain sometimes. <sighs> um, so the team kind of gathers and like tries to figure out a way to uh, give her a taste of her own medicine. I that scene was hilarious with Riley <sighs> trying to come up with all these ranks because he's so used to only being around other black kids that he can you know do the yo mama <laughs> jokes on and keeps looking over at Cindy's white blonde skinny uh, <laughs> mom and just wait no. Wait, <laughs> like your mama's skin's so ashy. Wait, <laughs> your mama's so black. No, that 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 won't work. Um, but then Granddad remembers some gossip he heard about Cindy's mother, uh, which then Riley uses to completely throw Cindy off her game and make her just dissolve into tears, um, telling her that her mom. Gets blowjobs in the bathroom at the country club, likes to do cocaine, that her parents were just waiting for her birthday before they split up. Like, (laughs) he broke that girl's world. (laughs) And, I mean, she was kind of being a little, mm, so. Mm -hmm. Fishing it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's not a reason to give the girl therapy, though. No, no, definitely not. uh, This scene, uh, (laughs) the one thing that stuck out to this, stuck out to me in this scene was granddad, one, had the gossip. Two, actually told his (laughs) grandson. Told the whole team. Told the whole team. Yes. (laughs) Like the whole neighborhood knows now. Like, what are you doing? Riley's granddad says that Cindy's mom gives good neck at the country club. What? What? <laughs> I, 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 oh, I just couldn't believe it. I, I just, I just died. I'm like, what? good, great. You, we have that moment, that tender moment that you were talking about earlier, Tiara, where he's, you know, being a parent. Like, I want to have moments <laughs> like that, and I think I've had. A, hopefully, I've had a couple. And then he does this. Yep, <laughs> my granddad. That's exactly my point on granddad just being a shitty ass like guardian for these kids. Like he's he you can tell that there is love there, but granddad, oh my god. Like there are no there are no boundaries between him and like he 
he fucking exercises naked in front of the kids and stuff. Like he's got he's got no boundaries. And that's a problem when you're sharing gossip because that everybody will know. What's it on our other podcast? Uh, fast, uh, bad news. What is bad it? Gas travels bad gas fast. Fa- travels fast. There it is. <laughs> uh, so then since Cindy finally broke down and ran off the field and ran away, the Tigers had to send in their last sub. Look at this. The Tigers have only one player to sub and it looks like it's little Billy Matthews. Now Billy is autistic but he sure loves basketball. Getting his first playing time right here today. Son, just go in there and have fun. Today's your day. I always believed in you. (sighs) I have so many feelings about that. (laughs) Like, autism porn has been a thing that is um, that plagues autistic adults. You know, those feel-good stories that aren't really, you know, they're really not feel-good stories. Like, what I got out watching that is, why is this the first time you're seeing this kid play? How do you not know that he has any of these abilities? Did, did you include him in anything or let him play with the team before? Is he just warming the bench because, you know, you want to look good that you have the disabled kid on your team? And, oh, man. There was there was one line that I literally was like the first time I heard it, and then every time after that I just scowled. Uh, the um, announcer guy said, "Sure makes the whole team look autistic," and I'm like, "Wow, I'm gonna, <sighs> yeah." So, and that's um, <laughs> for being as long ago as it was, it absolutely still fucking happens all the time. Um, in fact, um, if anyone at home follows me on Twitter or Facebook, you know that I'm very, very against Autism Speaks, and I believe that it is a hate group because they want to um, fix autistic people, and they want to basically—basically, it's low-key eugenics. Um, Mm -hmm. They showcase these kids who have— Okay, like outwardly, what society looks or thinks of when they think of an autistic person, it's because of Autism Speaks, because of the the propaganda that they put out, basically. Um, Right, like for the last year, they have been running ad campaigns on every major news network. Uh, It's the same fucking one with like, you know, the kid singing at the concert and everyone cheers for him at the end. And then you've got a kid playing a sport and everyone's like, oh, it's so exciting that he's playing a sport. And I'm sitting here like, okay, okay, okay. So what does autism look like? Why, why do all of these kids have the same characteristics? But I don't look anything like them. 99% of the people I know who are autistic don't look like that. That is like less than 5% probably of the people who have autism. And I hate even say have autism because it's not something to have. It's who I am. I am an autistic person. I am not a person with autism. It is not something I can take off like a hat or my glasses. Uh, it is not a disease that anyone can ever cure. It is literally just the way my brain works. It is the way that I process information. It is the way that I take in more sensory information than typically developing people, neurotypical people. Um, 
often the most common thing that people who are autistic uh, will usually say will be that they feel things more, but the rest of the world can't see that. Um, Most of the autistic people that I know have higher empathy than any neurotypicals I've ever met. They have much higher rates of depression and um, suicidal ideation because the biggest problem with society is society believes that we should communicate and act the way that they want us to instead of society trying to figure out how to understand what we're doing and saying. And um, yeah, so seeing things like that to quote unquote normal people, they're like, oh, it's so great. This kid with a disability is shining and now making money and and they're going to do a movie about him and this and that and blah, blah, blah. When really it's, hey, look at this white kid with privilege that, you know, he was lucky enough to get a diagnosis and then people pretty much ignored him and didn't realize that he had any skills that can contribute to society until they put him in at the last fucking minute because it was all that they had left and they realized that he was actually talented at something instead of just something to sit on the bench. So, <laughs> that, that long rant, like watching this episode the first time, I, I am pretty sure that Dean heard every foul word. Like uh-huh. I had to go and smoke a joint and just like, fuck, how do I talk about that without like, because there are people <laughs> and they have the right to whatever they feel. But like, there are, I am like, for example, okay. I'm in a master's program for psychology and the current class I'm in is a hundred of us or so who are all doing different master's degrees, but all in under the umbrella of psychology. And there are a lot of people who are, uh, who do ABA therapy and want to become BCBAs, which is a board certified behavioral analyst. Behavioral analysis is forcing an autistic or otherwise quote unquote, not normal child to act and behave in a way that is seen more normal, that is seen less disruptive or less, you know, making it so that they can, can sit in a classroom or, you know, not fidget all the time or not like, (laughs) it is seen as abuse by a lot of actually autistic people. And the primary research that has been done into autism And uh, because that is all essentially middle-class white male and usually children, um, it affects so many people that are not getting counted until they're much older and it's too late to really stop all of the fucking trauma that happens to us. And yeah, I don't know. I, there's so many things that I could say about this and I'm, 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 I don't want to completely spend the entire episode going, I just didn't speak sex. But like the fact that they are, they're like the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Most of their money goes into paying their people and putting on galas and paying for commercials and shit like that. And their research is in genetics. And their research is in genetics. 
if your research is in genetics and your idea is to cure me, what you are telling me is that in the future, you're hoping to be able to find a gene that is autism and do something about that with that information. And the reason why that's so terrifying is think about the fact that there are, there are countries in our world that have a zero population of people with Down syndrome. And that's because it is found in utero, in the genetics, and those children are aborted. That is essentially what Autism Speaks is trying to work toward. And they have such a huge platform that, like, I literally, like, my, my, my professor sent me a private email basically saying thank you for saying something because someone used Autism Speaks as a reference in one of their things that we're doing in, in class. And I was like, please don't use that. Because <laughs> there's the majority of us who really feel like it's a hate group. Um, so, yeah. So don't support Autism Speaks. Look for things like the, um, uh, let's see, ASN Autism. Oh, my God. I, you know what? I'll put them in the notes because I can't think of them right now. But there are way, there are so many different places out there that actually are doing actual research. And it's with autistic people instead of on autistic people. And there are places, there are advocacy groups that are run by people who are autistic. And just like, the, there are so many other things out there that are so much better than Autism Speaks, but they get all of the notice. So I want to make sure that, you know, we get that. Dean's doing, okay, he's going to, we're going to get that for everybody. <laughs> so I'm going to step off my soapbox a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, what was his name? Billy. Billy is an autistic boy who had never played a single game. Probably didn't play in practice either because the coach didn't seem to know that Billy was going to be so awesome. Um, let's see. Riley underestimates him at first and gives him space. And then Billy just looks at the, ba at the basket and looks at the ball and essentially calculates in his mind what he needs to do to make the perfect shot. Then he calculates the math in his, like, out loud of how many points the team needs. And he's, like, super fast at his math. And, um, you know, there's a few stereotypes in that. Um, it's, very, uh, it's very apparent that this kid is a basketball prodigy. The ballaholics lose. And uh, Tom, just probably one of my favorite scenes with Tom happens where he's just like, fuck, shit, 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 shit. I, I, I kind of want to make it like a ringtone or something. Because yeah. <laughs> it's just so great. Shit. Like, I can hear my dad almost with that one. Uh, um, let's see. No more. Okay. After the game, uh, Huey and Riley are watching TV and there is this huge media uproar because of Billy's amazing game. And he's, he's now getting to meet NBA stars. He met the president, which was uh, George W. Um, got a million dollar movie deal. Uh, he uh, has a movie where Haley Joel Osment's going to play him. Um, and then Riley is basically turned into this klutzy villain role 
in in this uh, this movie being made, and and now basically all of the things that Riley had hoped would happen for him is happening for someone else, and Riley is the villain of the story. And that's the end of the episode, and uh, we leave Riley with all of that feeling. <laughs> so. I've still got one other thing that I kind of want to rail about, but I want to hear what you guys think about anything, about anything. Yeah. Well, I don't have too much. I mean, I figured you would have a lot to say. Um, that, <laughs> yeah. When I was watching it, I was like, oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just took it more so, obviously, not having a lot of education about autism. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, as you do firsthand, like, oh, they're just trying to go with the underdog story. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, expects it with with a lot of ignorance too as to what they are really putting out there well and uh, to be to be fair to be fair 15 years 15 years ago i was absolutely one of those people that was like oh maybe everybody's a little bit autistic you know like before i actually like learned about what it was and how i quote unquote got it and that would be um my mom Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so yeah, sorry. No, you're you're perfect and you're good. I feel this way to take it to a lighter level. I feel this way about all people. This is my issue with society. It's why I don't give a fuck. That's why I be on this podcast saying nigga, 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 and cursing and doing and being my ghetto self and whatever, because that is one of the biggest problems with society. And I think we talked about this on Demand's podcast is that <laughs> society has dictated who you should be and how you should act and what is appropriate and who the gatekeepers are going to open the door for mm-hmm. and who's not allowed. And people to uh, survive, I guess, in many ways, they just adapt. And I feel like there's too much information out there for this shit anymore. Like people, it's time to to stop it. Like shake it up, learn something, stop putting other people down, be your authentic fucking selves and make a better world. That would solve a lot of your problems. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> what I've been thinking about this, uh, especially, um, I guess, 2020 really brought it out, but from about roughly 2016. And it seems like COVID is actually COVID. Um, It seems like every chance we get to do the right thing as a group, as a society, we completely mess it up or enough of us want to mess it up for everybody else. You know what I mean? Like all we, if we had come together, come together as a country last year, we, we would be way closer. If not, we would, we would, this would be in the rear view. You know what I mean? The mask would be in the rear view. I mean, it's barely in now, but I could see the, <laughs> I could see the last sign instead of, you know, uh. you know, a couple exits back, you know what I mean? And it's just, or, or when we talk about uh, wealth inequality and, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, how people, people having a place to live. These, it shouldn't be a, it's, it shouldn't be a big deal to get people places, a place to live and something to eat, especially as much space as we have. I don't there, understand it. There have been so many studies that literally say it would be cheap, cheaper to house every homeless person than it is to quote unquote fight homelessness by doing sweeps and shit all the time. Like, I just, I, I'll have to find it. I, I saw something the other day that literally was like, 
this is how much it would cost to buy a hotel to house all of these people that are sleeping outside on the street outside of this hotel. And it was cheaper than how much it cost for the cops to have to come there and do the stupid shit that cops do with homeless people because they're beneath them. And so, like, I'll have to find that once we're done with the episode. But um, it just, it, it's one of the reasons that has really soured me on Seattle, um, especially the area of Seattle that I live. It's so NIMBY here that, like, for me, do you, do you know what NIMBY means? No. Not in my backyard. Oh. Yeah. So um, a NIMBY would be like um, the liberal white people living down the street who have like a Black Lives Matter sign in front of their their uh, house, but they'll call the police if they see someone who they don't know in their neighborhood at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Like that's that's where I live. <laughs> so like Black Lives Matter sign on the house over there, but yet looking at me as I'm walking down the street as if I don't belong here and my family has lived here since the 70s, but whatever, okay. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I capitalism has made it so that society believes that human life has no value if it cannot contribute to society. Um, and that leaves it really easy for people to dehumanize houseless people and people with mental illness and people who are LGBTQ. And like, it's really easy to dehumanize somebody in your mind if you are willing to do it. And that has happened in this city. I, it's the people that I see trying to fight it are like lesser and less and moving, moving out because... And here I am. <laughs> to your and Damon's point, I think it's even more sinister. I think not even just, it's not even just a capital, I mean, maybe it is. People have gotten to the point, and I, in a way I get it, people have gotten to a point where human life doesn't matter unless it contributes to me achieving uh, success or getting to where I want to, to me becoming a better, richer, greater person. That's kind of the name of the game. And like, I feel like that is what the pandemic kind of showed. Like all I had, all, if you could, all you had to do was stay home and wear a fucking mask mm -hmm. and you couldn't be bothered to do that. And you just look at the way, like, um, people just treat other people in society and they get more like, I'm, I'm kind of blurring everything, but like with social mm -hmm. media, um, this very selfish, self-promoting culture, I think is a direct result of the fact that people have kind of realized, okay, humanity has given up on humanity. Like other people feel they can't rely on other people to like, let's all move together and do better. So they say, well, fuck it. You know what? If Tiara's not going to wear her mask and Dean's not going to wear his mask. I mean, I guess Demond is doing it, but you know what? Whatever. I'm not going to wear my mask either. <laughs> in my little beach selfie, I have to show, you know, like they just kind of get out. Well, fuck it. If we're all yeah. not in it together, then I better go it alone, you know, and get, you know, survival for me, my children, get my riches, get my Gucci, all this kind of bullshit. Um, yeah, just that self-promotion, selfishness is a direct result of this inability for all people to get in the boat together. Yeah. And time after time, whenever there's some <clears throat> kind of emergency, you see two groups of people. You see... Group, a group that's trying to help everyone 
and you see the group that's only trying to help themselves. Mm-hmm. And like COVID obviously was like on a grand scale in the U.S. I mean, we've got like, what, 600,000 dead now and only 45% of our population is has at least one shot of the vaccine. And the CDC is just like, okay, I give up. Go, go for it. If you've been vaccinated, take off your mask. And I'm like, no, no, that just means that the people who don't fucking care are going to keep not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to be able to walk around and say, well, I'm vaccinated. How can you prove it that I'm not? Like, they don't fucking care. And then there's people that like me and it's like, I'm just going to stay in my house for the next 10 years, it seems. <laughs> right. I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but like some army sergeant did my second shot and he was like, because like we asked him about being immunocompromised and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, well, for you, um, I want you to go ahead and pretend the CDC didn't say anything. Uh, <laughs> he basically told me that there is not enough research to prove that the vaccine is even effective for immunocompromised people. And he was like, so, you know, like, let's say it is. He's like, you've got at least a month for that to happen. Uh, you know, and he kind of told my husband, you're in the same boat because y'all live together. So he was like, no, you can't, you know, be so liberal going out in public. You need to wear a mask. Um, even when you're hiking and stuff. And he was like, um, even though my husband will be uh, immune in two weeks, like he can still mess around and bring that shit home and and infect me and all this. It was just, I kind of left that place feeling like, well, what the fuck? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like we're not, we're still at danger here. So everyone else is just going to be out here, like taking off their masks and living their best life. And yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. My mm-hmm. my doctor's like, yeah, we we're, we don't know. So let's let's just do it and see what happens. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I <laughs> you know, it, it's it's fine. It's fine. Um, like, I think the I I have no problem wearing a mask when I am indoors in in places for probably the rest of my life because I haven't had a head cold in a year and a half, or not a year and a half, but you know what I mean, a year and change mm-hmm. at this point. And I was somebody that always was sick with something. Yes, teacher, but teacher who was immunocompromised, I took everything home. And so the whole idea of if COVID gives me enough that I need a booster in six months, I or COVID, the vaccine gives me enough that I only need a booster in, in six months, cool, I'll, I'll do a booster in six months. Every six months for the rest of my life, I'll do it. If that means that I'm not going to maybe get and die from this thing, then cool. Why would, why is that, why is that hard? And so I won't have to, I won't transmit it to anybody or take the chance of transmitting it to somebody, like, especially if I am still working with, you know, populations that traditionally don't have the best healthcare thing. I want to make sure I'm not giving them something that they're going to take home. And if I'm susceptible to it because my vaccine is only at like 50%, then I need to make sure that I'm wearing a mask and washing my hands and not going out in in public where it's crowded. And while that leads to me still basically just staying home 99% of my life, even though I've been fully vaccinated, it did mean that, you know, I could go over to friends and like hang out in the backyard without freaking out that I might do something or catch something because we're all outside and we're all vaccinated. And it's like, okay, this is what it's like again. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, I, uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> I keep moving around and he just, he just glares at me. And then <laughs> 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 I need like three mics that'll pick me up whatever direction I'm turning. I'll have to get you a lav mic. <laughs> What's that one? The one that clips on you. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. <laughs> I'm queer. I can't sit in this chair for an hour and a half without moving around somewhere. (laughs) Figure it out. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, so. Um, So there was was one other thing that I kind of wanted to bring up um, that happened a few times in this episode. uh, And that was about how the parents and the other adults behaved at these kids' games, um, booing and taunting and airball and all of that. And like, I understand that that's all part of the game, but these are kids. And it really bothers me whenever I see anybody heckling kids. Like, if they're heckling each other, whatever. But you're a fucking adult. Act like one. I will never understand that. And like Dean was a football coach for Evan for years and <laughs> has stories. Like what is what is wrong with people? Uh, my nephew, he is a I mean he's a whole grown man now, but when he was young he was a little sports prodigy. Um I think he got invited to Puerto Rico to play on like the baseball team for little league and all nice. that kind of shit. Wow. Like he's a, he was a really like Amazing kid. I love you. If he's listening to this, I love your little butt. I know his mom does. But he had a very shitty attitude because he knew how good he was as a kid. Mm -hmm. And he would get into rundowns with other players and just do all of the showmanship on the field. And he would throw fits based on if he wasn't first in the or third in the batting order or whatever. He he had a bad ego, but he was a baby. He's, you know, chill dude now. But I used to sit in those stands sometimes because my family is very color diverse. So my little nephew, he's a little, he looks like a little Puerto Rican boy. He's Irish and Puerto Rican and black. And these parents, maybe not thinking he was mine, would sit here and talk so much shit when my nephew was on base. So much shit like, oh, I can't stand this little kid. Oh my God, he's so arrogant. Oh my, oh, look at him. Oh, I hope they catch him. And like, this is our team. And I'm just like, what the fuck? And I would go right to his mom and be like, yo, this person was saying this and this and that. And she's like, wait a minute, who? And it turned out to be like his, his like step, somehow his like step aunt or some, I don't know. <laughs> what? Was, yes. It was, it was people. It was his family. I was like, this oh my God. Is some crazy shit. But these parents would just be railing and ripping on all of these other kids, you know, quietly. But I still was like, ain't this some bullshit? Like, yo, this was my kid. We wouldn't be fighting, but we, we're going to have some words. Somebody's going to get their feelings hurt. Exactly. <laughs> I will never understand that. Some parents about to play catch with these hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get that from Black TikTok? <laughs> oh, no, that's that's ar- army days. Okay, so. all right, all right. I have never heard you say catch these hands in real life. <laughs> army days. I- <laughs> Yeah, well, you were surrounded by black people, so. Yeah, well. (laughs) There's that, then. There is that, then. (sighs) Um, We better better move along before, because Lindsay's only got until six. Right, I was just going to say, is there anything else that we want to uh, cover before we go into our um, lovely white people question? (laughs) Mm -hmm. No? All right. Welcome. 
to stupid white people questions. You mean I'm gonna stay this color? <laughs> I will always crack up at that. <laughs> it is so great. All right, so I, I, I have I have two two white people questions that I I'm gonna okay. I will give all the background. Okay, so don't worry, I've I've done this a couple times. What? So so uh, as you know, we're on TikTok, uh, and so I reached out to uh, Black TikTok for questions that folks have gotten from white people uh, about about their their black lives. And what uh, is the stupidest thing uh, a white person has ever yeah, asked? Basically, and so. I got this one. I know you can't answer this one. Um, I mean, I mean, I suppose you you could go biologically backwards in time to talk about how things changed over through evolution. But so this is a question that Michael Glover twenty eight on TikTok got uh, asking them, "Where is your tail?" Do you think I'm a fucking monkey? <laughs> Am I a dog? I mean, the comments that I see for on lots of black folks on TikTok, yes, there are those who do think that. Yeah. Um, and yep. that's unfortunate. And uh, yeah, I would like to sort them I out. Would, I, I would like somebody to ask me that to my face. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'd, like, I'd like somebody to do that as well because I would To step, my face or to your face? I, to your face <laughs> so that I could then step in. Okay, um, all right. You know. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, th- this is more along the lines of a, a question that you could probably answer. Uh, WY68NN, uh, I'm guessing it's supposed to be when. Uh, with 68 in there in the middle. Um, do black people pull up to other black people with their rooftops down and still lock their doors? Which I, I, I kind of read as, you know, white people, you know, how they lock their doors when they see black people come by. Um, and I kind of have an, a funny story about that. I accident, I'm, I didn't accident, I just happened to be locking my doors at the, at the same time a black person, black guy was walking by and he yelled at me. <laughs> So I'm not going to get in your car. I'm, and it was just, it, it just happened to be coincidence that I was locking my door. And I feel, so I, I felt, and I felt guilty <laughs> because it, it was totally unintentional. But so, yeah, that's the question. Do black people do that with other black people? So I've been very honest on this show about the internalized racism I grew up in. And I absolutely used to do that. Um, I never saw black people. And when I did, that was what my parents would do. They would lock their doors. So I got in that habit without realizing that it was what it was for, why, why they did it, why my dad did it. <laughs> I don't remember if my mom did, but I very much remember my dad doing it. Um, and, you know, as I got older, I definitely questioned why I would do that. Why are, why are you locking your doors when it's the black guy going by, but not when it's the white guy? And, you know, and like, I, I'm, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a murderer, you know, if you know what that means. I, I'm, I love weirdly and very morbidly um, and curious, mostly in the psychology of like serial killers and, and like all of that. Like if I had the brain for science, I probably would have gone into forensic psychology instead of child and adolescent developmental psychology. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> like statistically, serial killers are, are, are white guys. That's, that's, that is the, the majority of serial killers are middle-aged white men. Sometimes you get a woman, sometimes you get a black person, but statistically those are outliers. So... And I don't live anywhere where we had like gang violence growing up or anything like that. 
all of my ideas of that was from TV and movies and that sort of thing. But I also grew up hearing my dad saying, I have to go to the VA and that's in the South End. And like, oh, that's a bad thing to go to the South End. You know, go to Burien, go to White Center. Those are all the black neighborhoods. Central District, oh, you better better watch yourself there. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely grew up in, with that mindset. Not, you know, we didn't have roofless cars or whatever. What do you call them? Convertibles. Because <laughs> of course I couldn't think of the word. Convertible cars or anything. Just in shitty old Oldsmobile. It didn't matter. It was ingrained culturally, I guess you would say. Which really fucking sucks, but anyway. I mean, I'm from the hood, y'all. Uh, <laughs> you better lock your fucking door when you yeah, fucking <laughs> are sitting in the driveway. Gang, gang. Like, we don't, <laughs> you just, I don't give a fuck who it is. Black, white, yellow, woman, man, whatever. Lock the fucking door. Like, <clears throat> you know, because exactly what you were just explaining, like, I don't know who the fuck anyone is. Mm-hmm. And just for me, it's a safety thing. I'm a woman. Um, I don't care who you are. Like, I'm locking, I am locking this door the minute I get in, you check the back seat, and then, I mean, before you sit your ass right? down. Right? Yeah, you check the back seat. seat as you're walking up to your car. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and then you pull the door shut and lock. That is it. I don't, you know, the rest of it, y'all do you. You want to send me a message because my black ass is in your neighborhood? That's great. You should have had your door locked all along. <laughs> Bye, next. <laughs> I mean... To be fair, to be fair, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> most cars these days automatically lock once you've been driving for like a minute or two. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I don't know. I, I know not all cars do, but the majority of cars that I've been in lately, at least, <laughs> all seem to have that same thing where you're like 300 feet of driving and then everything locks. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, it usually happens. You start your car and then once you've let off the brake, to and hit the gas, that's when it okay. Yeah, see, I'm not a driver, so I don't know all the specifics. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm interested in like, I wonder if the place where this person was, where they were asked that, um, I wonder if they live somewhere that people are less likely to have cars that would do automatic locking like that, like. You know, more classic cars or more beater cars or or whatever. I mean, if you're just sitting in your car, then it's not going to automatically lock. So, right. Yeah, that's. But in like the old, like I remember being in the olds, you would you would get in, put the seatbelt on, pop the lock. Like that was the habit that. I mean, like if you were just sitting in the car waiting, let's say you're waiting for somebody. Like you, you went to, you know, you just went somewhere and you were sitting in the car waiting for somebody to come out. I got you. We go to this store, and I don't want to go into the store, and you leave the car, yeah. and you go in without me. I yeah. lock the door. Yeah. I lock the door. Smart. Yeah. Is and most should. of the times, because, I mean, the, the key is in the ignition, and I'm probably laying back, and people can't see I'm in there, and they only see that there's a key in the ignition. Of course, like, there's a chance that someone's going to try and get in, and they have. But, like, I never really thought of it as, well, I never thought of it in the same way that I now understand that my parents did. I guess. Yeah. So. I mean, I grew up in Texas, so of course, yeah, if it was a black person walking by, yeah, of course. That was, I mean, grew up, grew up, raised, taught racism. So that was, I mean, it's just, I mean, racism, of course, is taught. So Mm -hmm. 
you know. <laughs> On the other end of it, though, I've had friends make fun of me. I had, most of my friends were white growing up because, like I told y'all, I went to that private mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. But um, when we go out to their houses in the suburbs, I'd be like, oh, please lock the door. Like if I'm <laughs> waiting for them to get something out the house, because I have always been physically like, like I get chills and stuff. I'm uncomfortable in the suburbs. And I imagine that may be what some uh, affluent people, I won't even put race on it. Affluent people probably feel in the hood. In the hood, I'm pretty mm-hmm. comfortable. Yes, I still lock my doors because I'm just not, I don't trust none of y'all. I'm also a true crime uh, person. So <laughs> yep. when I don't know the people around me, Y'all all know each other to an extent. Like, right, neighbors watch neighbors. It's just the way it is. I do not want to be out here alone in the sticks, waiting in somebody's car, uh, and Jim Bob just sees me here and comes snatches me up and takes me to the field. It could fucking happen, and I'm not here for it. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what's going on. Lock this fucking door, and please hurry up getting whatever you have to get out of your car. I, I It's a thing of um, un- being unfamiliar, although... If you've ever, oh shit, I can't think of the name of the podcast with Jim Clementi where they do all the cycle analyzing of like criminals and stuff, but he talks there about the semblance of security and how you are never mm-hmm. any safer in the ghetto than you are mm-hmm. in the suburbs, than you are anywhere the illu- else. Yeah, the illusion yes. of security. Yeah. 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 And so y'all, lock your doors. The yeah. end. I th- I, in fact, I think, uh, uh, what's his name? That is uh, Adam Conover. Um, what was that? Uh, Adam ruins everything. Oh, yeah. that, that was another one. He was mm-hmm. an, he's another one who's covered that. I think yeah. I've read books by this guy. Now that I'm looking him up, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like oh yeah, okay. All I know. Right, I know when right. I because when I when I lived out on ranch in Texas, I mean, we lived out in the middle of nowhere. There was nobody. I mean, if you were coming up there, you have walked, or we would have seen you driving up. So mm-hmm. I mean, we left doors unlocked. We left keys in cars. Uh, so, um, and see the big difference between how you grew up and how I grew yeah. up is my neighborhood was famous because Ted Bundy stopped a <laughs> shoplifter at the mall three blocks away. Lord, he was in the paper. Good guy, Ted. Good Ew. guy, Ted. Good guy, Ew. Ted. I used to work at this one daycare center that in the alley behind the daycare was somewhere where he got one of his victims. Um, the bar that I went to after work was a bar that he would pick up victims. Uh, like, <laughs> Seattle is much more dangerous than probably a lot of quote unquote hoods because we have so many serial killers here. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be more scared of white people. I am. I am. That's, I mean, I wasn't growing up, but I yeah. sure as fuck am now. Exactly. Yeah. Man. So, um, man. Wait, uh, can you can you ask that first question again? I just want to hear that ridiculousness <laughs> again, please. DeMont, DeMont, where's your tail? Yes. <laughs> You have it in your phone as your mom. There <laughs> uh, uh, you go. I am not a very big person, so I have to come up with that kind of stuff because I'm not fighting anybody not anymore. <laughs> your, mom, your mom took it and she was playing with it last night. So. <laughs> your mom likes his tail. Hey, now. hey Heyo. Was that? It was Pretty Woman, right? That the like really terrible misogynistic dude actually had a vestibular tail. Vestigular, vestigular. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, vestigial. Vestigial. Vestigial tail. Uh, what's his? The dude who was on Seinfeld. What was his name? Um, Jason oh, Alexander. Yeah. So Jason Alexander in Pretty Woman had a extra vertebrae or two. Yeah. That 
at the, the end, it was a tail, joke yeah. where yeah. he wagged his fucking tail. It was, yeah. Was that a oh, that's Yeah, I remember. I, I remember stupid fucking details like that. I don't. I, I vaguely remember. <laughs> I just didn't remember it was from, it, that it was from that. Well, but. the only reason why I remember it was from that. Maybe. I'm pretty sure it was. Unless maybe I'm mixing up two different movies. Now you got me doubting myself. Just look up Jason Alexander Vestigial I Tale. <laughs> it's what I do. Yeah. Yep, it is. It is random. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean who doesn't get you, you I, I, and I think that's a very ADHD I was wrong. thing. And it absolutely is because um yeah, anyway. Uh it was Shallow Hell, actually. Shallow Hell, okay. <laughs> it's funny that I that those are the two movies that I yeah. mixed up with each other. Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, Julia Roberts. <laughs> oh, I, I had fucking Gwyneth Paltrow in a fat suit. Fuck. I was her. so pissed. I oh, I hated that movie. Oh, yeah. it was like all the pretty big women you could have got, and you got you put a fat suit on. Oh, it was hot. <laughs> well, yep. they can't make a fat girl skinnier. They can only make a skinny girl fatter. That's right. <sighs> I know, right? Also, Come on fuck you. Good boy. Why don't you actually showcase that this fat woman is pretty? Because she fucking is. Yep. But whatever. <laughs> Cries and fat woman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to love, I've been loving on mine. Uh, it'll be 10 years on Friday. Oh, yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing for your anniversary? Still not sure. I think uh, we're we're either going to go to Nashville and stay in a hotel and hang out, or nice. we're going to do an elaborate staycation. Not we we're not one hundred percent sure yet. So Uncle Sam's it. paying yeah. for it. So yeah. oh hell yeah, go to Nashville. How do I get that deal? I like. I I still want to. I mean, it's I've that's one place I haven't been to Sun Studios. That's I want to go. I would there. love to go to Sun Studios. What's it? Cool. Sun Studios, the place for Johnny Cash, uh, Elvis, and, and Elvis. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the first record, the first, the, the, first the first, basically the first rock and roll recording studio. Sam Phillips, uh, I mean, he, ah. and he was like the first producer who would record black artists mm-hmm. uh, for for major production. So, so yeah, Sun Studios was like the big place in Nashville. So, gotcha. so yeah, that's Johnny Cash, uh, Elvis, Carl Perkins, Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, 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 Jackie Brinson. All of the uh, white know. guys mistaken for black guys until well, Jackie, they, Jackie, <laughs> or the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, so yeah, because yeah, that that was the thing. That, you know, well, I mean, you could watch, you could look up stuff about Sam Phillips, but, um, but yeah, that was kind of the. He the had a impetus. great ear and yeah. like picked out some really amazing artists that yep. and gave them their start. Very true, but yeah, I mean, for yeah, Jackie Brinson, Ike Turner was playing there, so yeah, yep, uh, so yeah. <laughs> the, the bat, way back in the day, the uh, early mid fifties. <laughs> so, yeah, Sun Studios. That's back uh, when black people didn't do anything because only white people were around. Yeah, back, back when America was great. Remember <laughs> when it was great? Yeah, that's that's mm. why we got to make it again. I don't know. So, <laughs> when, I, I, I lost. When was it? When was it great? When was it great? When was it great? It is. It, I mean, I'm pretty confused about that myself. I, mean, I, yeah. I think yeah. it was probably great back in like probably I don't know the 1400s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when the indigenous folks didn't have anybody else to worry about. Well, I mean, actually, let's go a little earlier than that because they started actually getting wiped out by um, disease before Columbus arrived. Mm. But anyway, yeah. 
Anywho. Because explorers to other parts of places and then people <laughs> who would barter with them and yeah. fucking white people all just ruin everything. That's what it is. <laughs> well, the, Viking, the Vikings. I say this to my husband so all the time. I will, I, will, I will say the Vikings came over here, didn't seem to do any of that bullshit. No, no. So they, they, I mean, now, granted, the Vikings did come over to the, over to Great Britain and kidnapped uh, just a, a little, a, a, a few Christians, but uh. <laughs> most of the stuff that, at least, most of the stuff that I've seen about when the Vikings um, set foot on the, the, the nor- northern the America. Yeah, the Norse, the um, like in the Minnesota area where mm. they can see like actual runes carved into stones that have been there for thousands yeah. of years. It feels like, and wow. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yep, yep. All of the stuff that I've seen, it seems like they tried to integrate into society. Like, yeah, yeah well, I mean, yeah. there was a dig space somewhere. I can't remember where it was, but there was a dig space somewhere in the northeast of the U.S. where they actually found a buried yeah. Viking ship. Yeah, like inland. Yeah. That was That's here so well cool. before. Exactly. Yeah. Well uh, before. Uh, I think it was like Eric the Red. Something like that, yeah. That, yeah, back way back, wow. way back then. So, yeah. Before, Fascinating before shit. Columbus like, this country even had lied about. a history, right? <laughs> we just don't get to know that history. And, you know, when we try to teach that history, they say that we're being racist against white people. And then they pass laws that say teachers can't tell you about racism. Yeah. Texas. <laughs> well, and not, and not just Texas. Now. I know. It's like fucking 19 states are trying uh, to do it. Yeah, fuck them. I guess there is some new stuff that I <laughs> get that gets into my brain. I just don't <laughs> understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm just not a smart man. I just don't get it. I really don't. It. The problem is you are a smart man. Yeah, and that's like when you're smart and you actually are logical. You can't understand what the other side is saying. Well, it was like, it was like uh, I don't. I can't remember which which no which episode there. which episode it was. Um. I think it was. I think it may have been the the R. Kelly episode at the end where Huey says, "Well, I can't blame this one on the white man." Yeah, yeah I can. Who the hell am I talking about? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean it's yeah. I mean if who's going around, you know, colonizing, uh, you know, for resources all over. I mean, who's more still than fucking anyone. colonizing yeah. today? Yeah. So, I have a friend whose parents are um, on a mission right now. I think they're in like Japan or something. I don't even know. But like, ugh, fucking people still do that. Why are you forcing your religion on other people? Stop it. Stop. Mm. Okay. I'm done now. All right. All right. Is there anything else anybody's got to talk about today? Any final thoughts? Mm-hmm. No, no. 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 You don't have anything? Demond, uh, t- 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 tell, tell us t- about t- your other stuff. Yeah. Tell, us, yeah, tell everybody oh, where gosh. we can find you. Um, I can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter uh, at Demond Does, all one word. Um, you can find Demond Does the Six Questions on any pod, on any podcast app where everybody on this show mm-hmm. has been on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, including Mary Jane, who I am uh, who I am substituting for. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else that I forgot? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, oh, I'm a huge fan of the show. I, it's Yay. it's it, it's uh, so I'm like wow. I'll hear myself this week. You were the <laughs> <laughs> you were the first one we thought of when we were like, oh, it doesn't look like MJ's going to make it again. And then and then not and, coming until tomorrow. And then you and I are going to be talking again tomorrow. Right. Right. So so yeah. <laughs> And then I got and then I got to get Lindsay lined up, and then MJ re lined up because we we interviewed Lindsay, and then I fucking lost the the interview. Oh right, the so, 
<laughs> I lost two different For interviews. Podscare. Yeah. Jeez. Podscare. And Podscare. So yeah. and and I've uh, yeah and of all and Lindsay I've already talked to Danielle I'm gonna try to get her on so mm-hmm. so gotta get all, all my peeps. You are going to have some fun. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> you are going to have some fun for sure. <laughs> all right, I guess uh, reminder that we are on Patreon. Where uh, if you are not a Patreon patron, there's there's some more to this episode mm-hmm. that uh, um, you have not heard that happened before we actually started. So if you want to, and like I think I don't even know how much. There's a whole bunch of different yeah. tiers in there for different things. Yeah, there are. Come and, come and hanging out with us. Patreon.com slash boondockspod. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and... Discord. Discord. We have a Discord. Yes, we have a Discord, which is so fun. Our Discord, yeah. And our Discord is, is boondocks. It is Podskier. It is How Are You Now? Yes. And if, if we as we add new... Uh, podcast, <laughs> which we all be know on. is going to happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody out there, go get your vaccine. Wear your mask, <laughs> even if you are vaccinated, please. And we'll see you soon. We'll see you next time. Bye. Don't take this the wrong way, but I need you to get the hell up out of here. Thanks for joining us again as we make our way through the trials and tribulations of the Freeman family. We hope to see you back again next time for Invasion of the Katri... Katrina's. <laughs> that is not Katrina's, which you wrote right there. I copied the <laughs> Katrina's Invasion the, of the, the Katrinians. <laughs> Want to know where to find us on social medias or where to subscribe to the podcast? Just head right over to www.theboondockspod.com slash links. Have a stupid white people question you want to leave us? Email us at host at theboondockspod.com or leave us a voicemail at 760-933-8636. That's 760-WE3UNDO. Shout out to the artists who've created our intro and outro tunes. Our intro is hashtag make a change by K-I-R-K find them on Spotify, iTunes, and Tidal. Our outro is Good Times by Audio Binger. You can find them on freemusicarchive.org and YouTube.